This week, Four Corners revealed very confronting video of children being hogtied at the Banksia Hill Juvenile Detention Centre in West Australia. The practice was outlawed in Queensland in 2017. The Northern Territory Royal Commission into the Don Dale Youth Detention Centre, released five years ago, said hogtying or folding kids in detention poses significant risks of injury or death. WA says it has 92 kids in detention and about 1,200 on community service orders. The Federal Attorney-General said Four Corners revelations were deeply disturbing but all too familiar. A joint statement from all of the Federal Human Rights Commissioners says the rights of children in detention are violated routinely. In an opinion piece on Wednesday, the Director-General of the WA Justice Department referred to authorised lawful restraint techniques but also said one of those techniques is now subject to review. Jacqueline McGowan-Jones is Western Australia's Commissioner for Children and Young People, and I'm very pleased to say she joins us on Sunday Extra now. Commissioner, welcome to RN. Thank you for having me. What have you observed at the Banksia Hill Juvenile Detention Centre since you took up your post in January, and what's your response to the footage aired on Four Corners this week? I think I might start with the footage. There could be nobody who saw that footage and not be appalled at how we are treating children and the risks to their health and well-being, and not just their physical well-being, but the trauma that must come from being held in such a way with five adults surrounding you or sitting on you itself must be causing emotional distress. So we would be absolutely against continuation of the use of such measures of force and such measures for restraining children. Has Banksia Hill been a subject that's been raised with you very much since you took up this post? In fact, it has. Uh, One of the first things I did when I took up the post of Commissioner was to visit Banksia Hill and speak to the children and young people there. On that visit, I found it quite disconcerting that they felt I wasn't able to talk closely to children who were in the intensive supervision unit They were locked in their cells and we were trying to engage through grids in the door and gaps in the doors and windows. As time has gone by, I now provided those children are not a risk to me and I've never yet felt at risk while I've been either at Unit 18 at Casarina or at Banksia. I am able to sit with those kids in their cells and talk to them and they have the confidentiality of being able to talk to me. I observed especially early on, and there have been some slight improvements. But a group of children who felt they were being punished because other children were doing things that was causing uh, lockdowns and other types of penalties, which may not have always been necessary right across the facility. But children who were feeling depressed, stressed, scared, worried, and not able to access the services and supports they needed when they needed them. WA Premier Mark McGowan says that he'll meet with you and the Inspector of Custodial Services and a representative from the Telethon Kids Institute, but he's also ruled out closing Banksia Hill, raising the age of criminal responsibility or an independent review all in advance of that consultation. When will that meeting happen and what will you say to the Premier? The meeting is being arranged at the moment and will happen next week. I think there's a few things there. The Premier is able to rule out whether the government does an inquiry. Should my office decide to do an inquiry, that's entirely up to me. It's not dependent upon the government's decision. It's dependent on our office. 
there is the side of me that says we've got significant evidence from a range of inquiries, reports, visits, etc., that shows us what is wrong. So whether or not we need to do another inquiry is probably something for consideration. I think the challenge we have is in understanding that we know we need a detention facility. We are not saying that young people with highly criminalistic behaviours who've got victims in community should not be incarcerated. What we are saying is children under 14, and I'm just going to read this statement, the adolescent brain is structurally different to that of a mature adult particularly in the area devoted to impulse control and decision-making. Adolescents engaged in increased risk-taking have poor impulse control and poor planning skills by virtue of the physical structures of their still-growing brains. Now, that comes from a range of psychiatrists and psychologists and others who had input into many reports. So we know that children under the age of 14 are more subject to peer group pressure, don't have the neurological development, have poor impulse control, poor decision-making skills. On top of that, we have a more than 75% range of children who are incarcerated, not just in Banksy Hill, but nationally, who have cognitive and intellectual disabilities and neurodivergent syndromes such as autism, ADHD, etc. They also have more than 37% of children and young people incarcerated in Banksy with a diagnosis of fetal alcohol spectrum disorder, FASD, which, by the way, we know can be caused by one glass of wine, so it's not necessarily an alcoholic issue. It is um, an issue of what happens in pregnancy with hormones and alcohol. So we know that these kids are not in the right place to get the right treatment so that when they are released from Banksia, they don't return because they are not committing crimes. We need these children and young people to have the right physical social and emotional and mental health supports. We need to be able to re-engage them at school. But the biggest issue for government and the biggest change we need to make is to stop the pipeline and start focusing on what are the health and wellbeing needs of these children and young people so they don't become offenders. We're speaking with West Australia's Commissioner for Children and Young People, Jacqueline McGowan-Jones. Commissioner, if altercations do occur in places like Banksia Hill, instead of using restraints like hog tying, as shown on Four Corners, what is the appropriate response? Look, please don't get me wrong. I am sure that on some occasions the level of violence could be quite high and the risk to people's safety is high. What we do have to do is engage in de-escalation techniques with children and young people. Instead of going directly to something that escalates their poor behaviour, because it's immediately physically confrontational. So there are other strategies about how we talk with children and young people to calm them down before you launch into five adults holding a child on the ground, holding a child's face at an angle, which may mean they would suffocate. Restraints generally are something we don't advocate the use of. We should be using psychologically informed 
ways of addressing the supports the kids need, and that includes in how to de-escalate them. We really do need to train the staff in de-escalation techniques so they can work with the children to calm them down. If things do get physical, are there alternatives to the sorts of restraints that we've seen on video this week? are other forms of restraints that are not as physically damaging to those children. But any physical restraint is psychologically damaging. And so from what you're saying is one of the concerns here that while the official policy is that restraints like that are used as a last resort, that the the last resort is being arrived at too soon. Absolutely. It would appear on the surface that the last resort is the first option. In many cases. The Director General of the Justice Department, as I mentioned, put the situation at Banksia Hill down to a a small number, and I'm quoting here, of detainees with complex needs and argues that things have improved significantly since July. Uh, What's your response to that position? It's a very complex situation. These kids have very significant complex needs and therefore I don't necessarily agree that the supports have been put in place that have addressed this. What we have done instead is remove a small number of children and young people, originally 17, the number now varies on a daily basis, um, have put them into an adult prison, albeit in a facility that is separate from the adult prisoners. Nonetheless, that has meant that there are not as many lockdowns at Banksia. One of the biggest challenges is not enough staffing. They need to immediately focus on how to overstaff the roster. So at the moment they're recruiting and they have been recruiting heavily and recruitment in every every field at the moment is difficult. But if you only have eight people on the roster and four people call in sick, you immediately are short-staffed, means you are at risk of then having the kids in lockdown for significant periods of time for days on end, which is what happened consistently over many, many months. Now, partly that was due to behaviours of children and young people that caused staff to go on leave or caused staff to take a sick day, etc. Nonetheless, blaming children who are the most needy of our society and the most vulnerable with disabilities, impulse control problems that come from those disabilities and treating them as criminals rather than as children with significant health issues does not change what is happening for these kids and it will not fix the environment. The other key issue is we keep kids who are on remand that is not sentenced, not charged, not yet been in court, in the same facility as where we keep those kids who have been sentenced. And the challenge then becomes these kids on remand don't know how long they're there. They get stressed because they don't have any information about what's happening to them. Then they get angry and then they may exhibit some violent behaviours that come out of frustration and anger and that very thing of lack of impulse control. So we are not contributing to a positive environment. It has become a little bit more stable at Banksia because we moved kids to an adult prison. And Commissioner, that Unit 18, I believe it's called, the the special unit at Casuarina Adult Prison, have you had an opportunity to review the conditions at Unit 18 and, and what are your views about the use of that facility? So there's two things. I have been there and physically the children are more safe 
because they are not able to breach their cells, which means it prevents them climbing on a roof. Nonetheless, it is very evidently an adult prison. And these are kids with significant needs. So I don't think the environment is positive for them. There's a couple of little things they've done. But we also can't apply the adult expectation and logic around incarceration to children, which is what we're doing. What we're saying is, you know, these kids are a danger in the community. Well, the system has let them down appallingly. But So we say they need to be incarcerated rather than say these kids have significant health needs and mental health needs that we need to address. Instead, we think it's better to lock them away. I have been to Casarina, I think on three occasions. The other challenge is they are more prone to having adult custodial officers rather than youth custodial officers who are trained to deal with children and young people, although one could argue the training is a long way off what is really needed in terms of trauma-informed and therapeutic approaches. So in terms of Casarina, I don't think it's a suitable environment. It is meant to be short-term. The only positive is that the children aren't able to breach their cells, so they are physically safer. You alluded earlier to the powers that you have uh, as the Commissioner for Children and Young People. Could you chart out for us in a situation like these, what are your powers? What's the scope of your ability to affect change in this area? I'm not sure the ability to affect change is as great as I would like it to be, Julian. <laughs> I hear you. Uh, unfortunately, the, we do have significant powers to hold an inquiry. And we can do reports and we can do reviews and we can do recommendations and we can meet with people and we can inspect facilities. The challenge being that what we do is make recommendations and there's no enforcement power. So as an example, we did a review at the request of a minister into harmful sexualised behaviours of children in out-of-home care. We made a, a number of recommendations and we are a little bit overdue for the report on implementation, but in Parliament this week they talked about, because all of the recommendations were accepted, in Parliament this week they said they fully completed one of the nine recommendations 13 months after they were made. So if you're going to have delays like that and it takes 18 months to do an inquiry and we might make 50 recommendations, how long would it be before anything was considered, much less whether or not they were agreed to? And if you look at the Northern Territory, Don Dale's recommendations, one of the ministers the other day, uh, Minister Wordle, said, no, that's been completed and eventually had to say, actually, we decided we wouldn't do that, so it's closed. I don't want to see that happen here. It's five years since the Don Dale report, as you said at the start, and there are a significant number of recommendations that have had no action and a significant number that will get no action. Indeed, and as you said, there's no shortage of reports in this area about these very issues. Uh, Commissioner Jacqueline McGowan-Jones, thank you so much for speaking with us on Sunday Extra. Thank you, Julian. It's easier than ever to hear your favourite local and national ABC radio stations live and on demand on the ABC Listen app.